0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to Contest Prep University. I'm Joe Klimczewski with Adam Atkinson. We're going to break this down into a 30-minute feature, which we have done in the past. We even did our Frat House edition a while back where we were a little bit more laid back in terms of the kind of conversation flow. This isn't going to be that. I want it to be as academic and professional as possible for personal coaching needs. I want you guys as competitors to really feel like you could take notes and, and take some of this information and apply it right away. But I do I think it's going to flow a lot better, Adam, if we talk about it in one shot instead of trying to bifurcate it into segments. So we always get feedback. Like some of our listeners love a longer session they can just sit and listen to. Others like the little five to seven-minute snippets. But today we're going to talk about peak week in real time. How you, as a coach, you as a competitor, should conceptualize your peak week, what options are there for you, and then as you monitor and assess and modify through the week, whether that's a true seven-day week for you or 10 days or five days or maybe even two weeks, how you can modify that to your best benefit, and it may end up being something totally different than you planned. So that's a great learning experience and I'm going to give you one example. Uh, and Adam, you, you'll have stories like this that you can, you can relate to, but I have a client who competed really high level, great client, bikini competitor uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe about three. And we did well. First time we'd worked together. She looked great. Top five in a, in a good show. And, and of course everybody wants to win, but you know, we, we had some things to work through and I, In retrospect, as everybody has that 2020 hindsight, I could say, okay, you know, if we were going to go on and do another show, which she had this opportunity about a month later, here's what I would want to do as, as a second act. You know, we did well, gathered the info, but now we have that as an asset that we can build on. So it was to get a little bit leaner. That's, you know, who can't get a little bit leaner? It's all, even if you're great, you can always be even better. And then we would have the opportunity to, in progressive linear load fashion, come up a little bit more aggressively. We know where those lines are for the last peak week, even though they may change a little week to week. We, we feel like we can be a little bit more aggressive for filling out. And a key part of the information she gave me, Adam, was in our progressive linear load staging, which she's kind of an ectomorph. So, you know, we were definitely on the progressive side. Carbs were going up. She said, I kind of feel like I may have looked my best a couple days prior. Contest day wasn't that much different, but she said, if I had to really, you know, get, rank it, I felt like I was there. So I could look back and say, okay, maybe we were just pushing carbs a little fast. And maybe in our effort to get filled out, you you know, we just, just got a tiny bit softer. Um, I don't think anybody else would pick that out in contest photos, but she lives in her skin and she knows it and I can trust that. And so the, the irony is outside of that progressive linear load, now that we've spent a couple of weeks getting a little bit leaner, I could, Adam, just say, let's do the same thing. Maybe just kind of adjust the levels. But instead, I want to plan coming back to more of an undulating load because remember, she we were already increasing carbs. So by the time we got to Thursday and Friday, we were increasing, increasing, and she said she looked great. She didn't look her best when she was really flat. There were some carbs in there. It's just that maybe we took a step too far. So now I'm planning on, well, let's come back up a little bit. We we kind of need a higher calorie day on this weekend, a week prior to your contest. So let's start out with a little bit of a higher day, kind of get you filled up, taper back a little bit, just so we can start to see where you're getting flat again, you know, not completely flat, but flatter, and then we can cycle back up a little bit. And so that would kind of replicate what we saw on her last Thursday. Now, that's my plan. But just like our previous foray a month ago, the way she looks, the way she weighs in, all those things could change. You know, travel's a factor, et cetera. So with all that as an introduction to this topic, which is peak week in real time and how we have to plan for things, how we have to be ready to adjust, and then even how we learn from that for future planning. Uh, that's a lot to throw at you as an introduction, but I'm just curious. You know, where, where does your brain go first in this whole topic?
1: Well, I think that this is a great example. One of the reasons why is you're basing it off prior peak week experience, and you know, even if you don't miss the mark the first show and you win and things go well, winning doesn't necessarily mean you had great peak. However. You know, I think we oftentimes find with first peak weeks, we find we can probably do things a little bit better. Uh, Sometimes things, we have more time with that athlete. We have more time to maybe even fill them out a little bit more. I actually had a client at Nationals this week where it was a really interesting trend for her. And typically, I will tell clients... It's not that big of a deal, typically, to do a lot of shows back-to-back, especially if you're doing the linear load. However, my client came to Nevada to compete. We had a posing issue that took her out of the center box at the very last minute. Uh, This girl should have swept the whole show. (laughs) So last minute, she had to go to Michigan compete there which she then won the overall which then she had to go to Chattanooga to compete for nationals and I just had a hard time with stability of her peak a little bit and I just think it wasn't just the travel she's a really hard worker really self-sufficient so it's not only the travel all of the schedule changes she was making to make up the work she was missing when she was gone because that's just the type of person she was and I said you know usually this isn't an issue for people but for you I said I think we just kind of tax your body with having to do these many shows And she placed third at Chattanooga. So she's in the top two. If you base it just off of who showed up, we could get a pro card at Universe. And I said, you know, I would feel better waiting until USA's for you to have some time to relax, (laughs) be your actual best, and let's get the pro card at USA's. Because I think we could get a Universe, but... I also think that's only a week to settle down and then boom, you're right into another show. Um, And very rarely do I not put someone in the top three at a national show, but it is just the best move for us. And it gives us time to reset and
0: she will have a much better peak just based on that. I think, you know, one of the things that you mentioned is universally true in that you said that a lot of times, and I think you're being generous, a lot of times your first peak with somebody could be better. That's just obvious. That's the, the, the first draft of something you write is never your best draft. It's, it's after you've worked on it a little bit. And in this kind of biological process, you both, you and client, are gaining information you just didn't have. So I'll give you an example, which is, again, I think very universal for competitors. I also had a client at Chattanooga who competed for the first time this season a week prior. And so I've worked with this gentleman for at national shows for a handful of years now. He always shows up great. And as long as we have worked together, he always peaks so well. He is so consistent and predictable at being shredded because of his diligence and then Just for whatever reason, you know, he and I on our processes and communication, we've just never not been amazing on stage. Sometimes I look at those photos and I'm like, like, gosh, like we did way better than I even thought we could. We just keep kind of raising the bar. But to your point, that first show, he did well. He looked good, as he always does. One week later in Chattanooga, he just looked better. You know, he was able to. Win a couple of classes, and it's just those little fine tuning things you get to go through. You know that's the whole process of this topic. Real time peaking. It's it's real time now, but in a very meta way, it's that real time experience that you take to the next real time experience, and the next real time experience is very cumulative. Uh, have you ever decided that okay, here was my plan? And now we either have to really pump the brakes and we were going to do kind of a progressive linear load or even a back load. And we just said we have to maintain some stability or the opposite. How, how far have you seen your plans have to range to really uh, understand and respect those changes in real time?
1: Yeah, a lot with a, a first time peak week this weekend, I was I was way too high on, on a guy that I had and. <laughs> You know, I started noticing it. I was like, you know what, I'll let him get to his midday picks and we'll see if it looks a little bit better. He says sleep wasn't that great. So I was like, he may just tighten up if the day goes on. He definitely didn't. And I was like, I think I'm way far off. You know, I th- I said, I think we need to come back down here. So um, which he was happy with. I think one of the biggest things, and like I kind knew I would say this going into the podcast, sometimes people get too married to their strategy or the load. Uh a football player, you wouldn't say we're hoping to run twenty five yards, but if they have the field clear ahead, they're not gonna stop running. You're gonna run with it and get the touchdown. You are allowed to change anything at any time it doesn't make you a bad coach if you were wrong it makes you a bad coach if you just roll with the you know plan because you're not selling plans hopefully as a coach you're selling coaching so the idea of the plan is that the athlete is pre-prepared from a food perspective but athletes have to understand that there will be changes oftentimes in these weeks. They may be small changes. They may be larger changes. But someone just asked me this week, what all do I need for peak week, like a week ahead of time? And I said, well, wait till you get your packet, but I'm not going to throw anything at you that you just can't pivot from. So we're not going to make these massive changes because you look really good. We don't need massive changes to try to supersede that. So you, yeah, you can dance off of that plan and that's really important. And sometimes you nail it, but there's usually some tweaking
0: along the way. To that entire premise you just laid out, one of my international clients who is a natural male bodybuilder really has a kind of physique that could it could be a perennial champion like he could go down in history as one of the drug-free great bodybuilders of his generation and it's our first time working together we've done a long off season and transition and been working on growth and training as well as nutrition and now we're in it you know he's going to be competing this fall and there are a lot of big titles on the line And after all of our communication, after all of our work together, and he's a student of Contest Prep University, he watches this. He asked me a really funny, to me it was funny, question this week, which is, hey, Joe, you know, now that the show is this close, like, what's our approach going to be? And I said, I don't think I understand that question. What do you mean approach? Like, I kind of thought you knew what I do. And he said, well, you know, just like, just in terms of getting my mind ready, what's the approach? And I said, the approach is to get as lean as humanly possible, which I know you can do. And then of course, kind of fill back out as much as we can. And then we have to just fine tune, like we, to your metaphor of the football play, like we don't know what your physiology is going to give us. uh, So we're going to be monitoring that. But I I do understand. And I even told him this, I said, I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm, I'm just really like. I don't have some kind of magic approach that's going to be unique to you. It's the approach I use for everybody who I've ever helped win or achieve their best. But I think what he was asking were some of these specifics, like for my physiology, for my physique, for the amount of time we have and the the physique we think we're going to be able to achieve what then would be the best approach? And that became a really good question, Adam, because he understands that we have all of these tools at our disposal. And basically he's asking me, which tools are we going to be able to use? Like, do I get to use that cool buzzsaw or that hammer drill or, you know, like what, what are we going to do? And so I, I could understand the question better, but it still ends up kind of just depending on, on who shows up. Cause you're, as a coach, you're, you're watching game film as that metaphor would go on your own performance, but also you don't know what the matchups are going to be on the field. You don't know who's going to be there. You don't know how your body's responding that week and that day. And so, you know, who knows? That's why we're messaging in real time, even the day of the show.
1: Yeah. I I look at this as choosing the right golf club to swing for the lie. Unfortunately, some clients have it in their mind that they can almost swing two different clubs. Like, I want to get leaner. I also want to get bigger at the same time. And, like, especially in peak week, that's, you know, if you get a little fuller, yeah, your muscles might push up against the skin a little bit more and give you a little bit more tightness. But if you take that too far, you're certainly going to spill over I find that conversation funny because I remember Cliff Wilson telling me he was having a few issues when he came up with his rapid backload technique that when certain clients didn't get the rapid backload, they were disappointed because they wanted to peak that way. But to Cliff's point, As a coach, he wants to peak people in the best way possible. So, you know, in his mind, he found the perfect context for the perfect scenario for these athletes. But some people just want to do it a certain way, just based off, you know, social media or I've seen clients who are like, you know, they want the burger and fries at night because, Almost like they want to post about it on Instagram versus it actually doing anything for them in their body. I'm like, well, if you want to do that, just take a picture of it and don't eat it.
0: You know? (laughs) So, you man, what another great point! Because this client I was conversing with, you know, he even listed some of those things that may seem gimmicky. He's like, Joe, I know you're not a gimmick guy, but. You know, some people like to do alcohol backstage. Some people do this. Some people do that. Some people, the burger and the fries. And so he was almost kind of feeling out, what do you think I will need? And I said, hey, um, anytime somebody knows that they have consistently, predictably done well with something, I'm happy to integrate some of those things. You just have to know how to put the pieces of the puzzle together. For example, I have a pro client who has won pro titles And I mean, we were knocking back four or five shots of vodka backstage because just her personality, she needed that, like calm the fuck down. Um, But knowing that we're going to get that much glycerol, ethyl alcohol in her body it's like, well, we don't need a lot of other carbs. We, you know, there's uh, some hydration there. There's, you know, you have to know how to fit that together. I have other clients that we do end up being much better on a contest morning if we have a larger meal the night before and so mm-hmm. some of that is a heavier sodium load some of it's a little extra fat to slow down glucose uptake like there there are other things that we may do that can look like it was a tool you know something that you use for everybody but it's just for that person in that context and here, here's here's an example i think everybody should take to heart One of my good friends, Dave Gooden, the Texas shredder, one of the greatest drug-free natural bodybuilders of all time, who also became an IFBB pro by winning the bantamweight class as a drug-free competitor at the North Americans uh, NPC, just long, illustrious career. He was so doggedly consistent, like, this is what I do. This is how I peak. This is what I do the week of peak week. This is what I do the morning of the show. This is what I do in the afternoon. Like it was just a playbook that never changed. And it did allow him a lot of consistency and predictability. And he developed that playbook over time because he was just good at reading his body. So when he found what worked, he stayed with it. But when we started working a little bit together and I said, you know what? You, you, You could look a little better. You know, we could be a little fuller here. We could make this change. We could do that. And I, he, he saw that I was right. He was able to come into one particular contest. uh, I mean, he is the Texas shredder, right? So he's lean, uh, known for that. He was able to come into a contest about 10 pounds bigger and maintain that fullness And it was by far like, here's the rest of his career. Here's how he's always looked. He's won all kinds of titles and world championships. And then it was like, bam, here it's almost like a fighter going up a weight class. It was Mm -hmm. like, wow, where did that guy come from? Like, what in the world did you do differently? And it was just the peaking process. You can make changes that are that dramatically good and different if if you have a foundation of consistency and predictability. If every time you peak, you're just throwing something up in the air and see if it sticks, you're, well, I'll try this this time. I'll try that this time. I saw this coach did this. I saw this on Instagram. Like you said, Adam, you're never going to be able to develop a good awareness for what your body really can do with that kind of consistency.
1: Yeah, a thousand percent agree. I actually have a funny story from a couple weeks ago. I had a client who had flown in for a show and she was so much tighter in person when i saw her um bikini uh so this is friday before the show midday and i thought i have basically one meal left to to kind of push you to not being as lean as you are And, and We started going over, well, what have you ate recently that's maybe higher calories? She had done a show a couple weeks ago, um, and she actually ate a burger and fries and said she digested that well. And she said, but you won't do that for me. I said, well... I don't say never, but in this scenario, if you digest that well, I said, let's go ahead and get something that's maybe not majorly off base for your daily sodium, maybe a little bit higher. So we sat there and calculated it and made it work for her. And she did come in just a little softer, ended up second in her class. Her feedback was she was still a little bit too hard, but, you know, never say never and it was funny because she had saw my Instagram video against how I'm against the burger and fries. So I'm I'm more against it as just like the method. Uh, since she had had that food before and digested it well, you know, it could have been Taco Bell or anything like that. Just we needed something high calorie that wouldn't bloat her, um, and we needed it soon. And then we tapered with the rest of her. Kind of normal meals for the day and it it definitely worked well for her for
0: that context Mm. i'm gonna i'm gonna link together two stories to make a single point and it's kind of similar to what you were doing there but also it's in real time assessing what's happening at a contest so uh before sean clarita was the two-time under 200 mr olympia he was a client of mine In the WNBF World Championships, he was under 130 pounds at that age and stage of his career. And he was trying to unseat Brian Whitaker. Brian ended up winning six or seven lightweight world titles, eventually and overall. And Sean and I broke that streak in the middle. And I mean, we had a very narrow window. Brian Whitaker was and is an amazing competitor. But I told Sean, OK, look, you know, he's going to be bigger than you. He's going to look bigger. He's going to be harder from the back. Your strengths are your fullness and your symmetry from the front, particularly like you, you have to make this a, a contest. You beat him from the front. That's going to rely on fullness. So I was careful in making sure Sean wasn't dehydrated, that we were doing what he needed to stay full. And I saw Brian backstage pumping up probably too aggressively started too soon and he wasn't keeping up with hydration and brian just got flatter and flatter and flatter and it was it was a long prejudging because these these two guys like that to make a call between two totally different body types that are both at their peak um they were just going back and forth for 30 40 45 minutes on stage And because of the way we peaked and because of that assessment of what we needed to do with a single matchup, Sean beat him for the world title. And similarly, we had to do that with a client uh, in Australia at an IFBB show. And it was like, you you are overpowered by size as a lightweight in the overall. You just have to roll the dice. Having won your class and you're going to be in the overall, we have to just be as aggressive as we can. We have no other chance because again, of hydration, sodium, small amounts of carbs, well-placed, we were able to make our lightweight look as big as the heavyweight. And like, even we're talking about real-time peaking, sometimes as real-time day of the show, you're just making those quote play calls or calling those audibles And, you know, I had to keep coming back to if you don't know where that client is physiologically, you don't have that familiarity with them and you can't trust that they've been consistent with what you have been giving them. You can't make those calls that will be that effective. But in those instances, that's what it comes down to. And I think that's the level of precision that everybody wants to at least strive for.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: A great example and a
1: really, well, really two great athletes in, in that show, for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, guys. Well, uh, you know, we talked about progressive linear load, front load, back load, uh, changing things in the middle, how you need to really focus on everything, be willing to experiment. But not in a way that's just chaotic in throwing too many variables at the situation at any given time. It's also just another great reason to keep good notes. Uh, Every peak week, everything you've done, you should have these things in spreadsheets, on spreadsheets, in binders, files, whatever it takes for you to say, man, this is what I know worked. Match that up with photos. Take photos of yourself in different lighting, different contexts, different times of the day. And by the time you get a couple years into your career, you should have a pretty big database to rely on. And then you're going to be your own best coach or at least coaching partner for somebody that you team up with. So Adam, as always, really appreciate you uh, breaking our mold here for a little bit more in-depth work on this one and for our audience and our own clients who often suggest some topics like this. We appreciate that. Keep the feedback coming and we'll see you next time in Contest Prep University.